0: sell people what they want to buy. When you're trying to decide, do I make thin fries or curly fries or waffle fries? Don't make curly fries just because it feels like that's the most advanced form of your product delivery there. Make what they want to buy. Welcome to Marketing with Matt. If you're an entrepreneur or business owner looking to create more margin in your life and business, you're in the right place. For more after the show, be sure to check out ProfitMoreWorkless.com. Let's talk potatoes. What's a potato?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, no, here is a uh, concept I learned a couple of years ago, and it just unlocked creativity when it came to positioning um, for me. And the problem is in business, and as you're going out there and putting offers out there, like creative and offers fatigue just always happens creative and offers fatigue. This is the challenge with any like marketing at scale because you're like, ah, oh, it's a great offer, or, it's a great creative, or it's a great video or image. And it just, it lo- loses its newness, obviously, when it stops being new. And so there it loses its effectiveness or uh, its effectiveness kind of wanes. And the same thing can feel like that for offers where you're like, you've got like a tried and true thing, whatever it is. You're like, I sell coffee, <laughs> cup of coffee. And you're like, ah, oh, what a, you know, the offer just fatigues. This is, I could try draw this back to like Starbucks. Think of what they do. Like they take the same, they, they mix in seasonality and like have to refresh the same boring thing. They put different colored cups, whatever it is. But so the idea was like, look at a potato and imagine your willingness to pay for a raw potato, a baked potato, French fries, curly fries, waffle fries, tater tots, right? All of these essentially a refresh on the exact same ingredients, but as we think about our, you know, potato cons- consumption or our potato buying behavior, you're like, I would pay more for waffle fries than I would for curly fries, or I would pay more for maybe sweet potato fries than regular fries, or whatever it is. That's a slightly different ingredient, but you're like, man, if it was sweet potato waffle fries, <laughs> next level, right? Uh, you know, um, but you're like. Do you actually think sweet potatoes cost more than regular potatoes? Maybe they do, but should they? Does it cost more to grow a sweet potato than it does a regular potato? I'm pretty sure it's about the same. Like it's the same ingredients of water and sunshine. I don't think they're like less prolific of like a plant. And so, um, and then you go on the preparation side, you're like, actually, it turns out it's less work to make waffle fries than it is to make curly fries. But for whatever reason, those waffle fries, like way higher value. And so- if you acknowledge that, you're like, man, I that's acceptable. I pay more for different preparations of effectively the same thing. You find it in different areas. You're like, how much do you pay for an ebook? How much do you pay for a printed book? How much do you pay for an audiobook? I pay more for the audiobook than I do for the printed book a lot of times.
1: Yeah. Or even the uh, you know, a hardback versus a paperback, right? Like very similar. Hardback versus
0: paperback. And so we've been conditioned a lot of times to assume like price and value is correlated with cost of goods. Like, Oh, the hardback costs more to make or to print than the paperback. Therefore the higher price is justified. But you're like, realistically, you're like cost of printing between a hardback and a paperback is like, it's a 20% increase in costs. And it's like a 50% increase in price. Uh sometimes a hundred over a hundred percent because you're like, here's the paperback, it's ten dollars, you're like, oh, then here's the hardback it's twenty five like there's a little bit of correlation there, but it's 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 not the only determining factor and then you go to audiobook and you realize like wait a second, costs you nothing to deliver this audiobook there's there's less cost of goods in here, and I'm paying more so um that sweet spot, that intersection where you're like like that discovery like waffle fries actually cost less to make than curly fries, and people want to pay more for them that' That kind of creativity that kind of approach to the offers that you have or the products that you have is where you win as a marketer is you start to re you just you know mix and experiment and play around with the same ingredients that you have until you find this combination where sometimes it's like it actually costs you less and you make more and it 's more attractive and more desirable and so we 've seen this uh, a good a practical example for folks is i 'll say this is like sell people what they want to buy this is it common just piece of advice I give folks is sell people what they want to buy or they're used to buying. And when you're trying to decide, do I make, you know, thin fries or curly fries or, or waffle fries? If you have an audience, you're like, you basically, they come and they're like, I have all these potatoes. And they're like, my plan was I was going to make french fries. And that's the thing. But And they asked them, like, what do your folks usually buy? And they're like, well, they're folk, or the, let's say, keep our example, or I was going to make curly fries. So that's, I think that's the most, that's the most advanced fry I could imagine this is this, you know, how do you get it to curl or whatever it is. And then I, you ask, well, what do people like buying? What do they currently buy? And I'm like, well, they buy, they, it might even be, well, they buy, they mostly like chips. Actually, they buy a ton of potato chips. And you're like, then make chips. Don't make curly fries just because it feels like that's the most advanced form of, of your you know, product delivery there. Make what they want to buy. So I'll give you a, let's get practical with it. A lot of folks that I talk to are interested in selling software in the software space. Why? Because it's incredibly scalable in terms of delivery, um, has a high recurring output in terms of fulfillment. And it also has is, is been proven out to be, it's a desirable business to own. To become an owner is very difficult to actually get something that's uh, worth owning. But once you own it, if you own a software um, of the kind of businesses you can own, it's a great one. It's very desirable because it's very high leverage. The difference between the infrastructure of 1,000 users and 2,000 users Minimal. It's a minimal difference there. And you like, so you can literally double your business with a 10% impact on, uh, you know, on costs of goods to fulfill. So because of that, it's very desirable. People want it. And so they'll come, they're like, and I, and so they're like, they see the need. It's like, oh my gosh, they, they would, my audience would benefit so much from the software. But then we might ask like, well, what are they, what are they used to buying? What do they want to buy? And if, if they're like, well, in the world of software, they're expected, like they, they, they would feel it's expensive. Like they could never imagine spending a hundred dollars per month on a software. And you're like, okay. But they spend, you know, they usually spend thousands of dollars a year on education. And you're like, okay, well, so I know what you need to do here. Sell them the thing that they want to buy that they're used to buying. Like if you're going to like... Yes, the cost of goods for your on your side it's the same whether you lean into the software or whether you lean into education. Right? It's it's all it's all exactly the same there. Um now there are there are times where folks are like hey they would they ne- I'm going to an audience who doesn't spend any money on education. They just spend a ton of money on software well, it's like well then great then lean into the software side of it. Um, but the more complicated or the the bigger stumbling blocks that I see are when it's when the the best path is not the obvious one. If you've got a bag full of potatoes and your folks want baked potatoes, you're probably not even listening to this podcast. Like it was easy. You were like, I I rolled it out. They all wanted it. It was the most it was the simplest thing. It was the perfect match there. But it's when folks are like, I have got these whole potatoes, so I should bake them and then sell them potatoes. And, and sometimes they market it like potatoes. And you're like, you gotta remember to say how it was prepared. Like these are baked potatoes. It's not just potatoes. Um but when it takes a little bit extra preparation there, we're like, how do I uh, go this way? So another example in the software, and this is, so two common counterintuitive marketing positioning uh, flows that I see people running is education first and then assets first. So unbox the software or complement the software with basically the how-to manual on how to use the software because that contextualizes why it's valuable. Right, especially like in an emerging space, and so this is—you find this in other markets pretty commonly. Like, let's say if I sell, if I invented a new form of gym equipment, it's very common. If you want to like, how do I sell more of my gym equipment? I sell education on essentially my gym equipment. Like that—that's it. Like, if I could certify, this is actually a good example in the Pilates world. Um, this was a very equipment-heavy style of well, actually, maybe not just Pilates. Go reformer. So reformers, Pilates. Bodies is like it's equipment-driven fitness. They had to educate all of these fitness instructors on the benefits of the equipment to then create the desire where they would want to buy the equipment. That was how they did it. And they would they would sell certified. This is still to this day. They sell certifications, education, and stuff like this. Now there's whole franchises that are, you know, behind the model there. But initially they're they're how did they sell equipment? They sold education. So with the education, now the equipment became a no-brainer. And so you could do the exact same thing. Um and this is I, I was actually been around for the podcast. We talk about click funnels. This has been like part of our um history and growing up in here and I actually think it was a, it was a pretty good breakout but i was I was realizing like you go back and you're like websites and landing pages existed. I don't know if anybody else i'm sure the term was around like funnels, this idea of like a strategic flow or something like that, but from a software perspective, I don't know if anybody else productized that idea, and basically made it proprietary. You're like, and, um, and this is, Russell talks about this a lot, and I know he's inherited this from other greats like Dan Kennedy and stuff like this, but the idea of um, a new opportunity is, for them, they realize, if we just told you, you know, a better landing page builder, people would be like, well, I already have landing pages, I don't need this thing. Yeah. Or like, if they said, it like, uh, a, a better converting website like I already have a website I yep. don't need this. But they said funnel so people would be like I don't have a funnel. But ironically like they might have they might have actually had websites and landing pages. Which for all intents and purposes it's a potato. Yep. It's like they're saying like you know it's like they're like they've got a basketful of french fries and he's like waffle fries and they're like I don't have any waffle fries you're like well if it's the same nutritional content as what you have in front of you. Like there's effectively no material difference but that new opportunity position that that refreshing the same ingredient created a whole industry crazy marketplace and all sorts of stuff but because they took that as a, like a new opportunity new positioning they actually they're you know he, he still recounts like their most effective sales process was education first it was you know free trial into annual plans that came with education was their uh, how they kind of like were able to scale and grow and launch off there um and so another another example there. So education first and the other side is is the unboxing. And I'm trying to think of um funnelytics is another software. And they um I don't know if they're as popular or good, whatever. It's actually still in the funnel space. You see, they like piggybacked on that. It was on reporting. But I remember um their positioning, I don't know what they're doing today, but I remember um a couple of years ago, the focus was it was like the templates inside. So the what they were selling is not just like you can map out your. It wasn't like get a blank sheet because they're 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 a mapping software, which on the surface you're like, you know, it's essentially like selling someone a digital blank piece of paper. You're like, uh, you know, where's the value in this blank piece of paper? So instead, I remember they actually did they did they did like they funnel hacked a bunch of stuff and they're like, hey, we've got fifty different like breakdowns of other funnels in our software. So now. You didn't think of it as like, I'm buying a tool that's essentially a blank piece of paper. You thought it was like, I'm buying the assets inside of the tool. You're buying a library now. Yeah, you're buying a library. Exactly. So it was the assets that drove the sale for the software. In fact, you got the software. But when you were deciding between software A and software B, you're like, well, software A has, like, you didn't even think of it as you were buying software. You thought of as you were buying the library. You were buying the templates. You were buying the assets in there. And so I know a lot of um, this, is a, this is a strategy right now that ClickUp is using. They're huge in scaling out there is they, they're template first. Now they're a freemium model of a software, but I, I would venture that their core adoption is from folks that are leading from temp, like asset first. So, and I think if you search right now, if you'd like, I actually don't know if this is true. Someone could Google it, but if I search like podcast project management flow or something like that, I wouldn't be surprised if ClickUp's like, here's our podcast production uh, you know template board, and it's like their their of like here you know here are the things you need to do to produce a podcast and they've just been coming out with all of these templates.
1: canva does a great job of that too, right It's like you search, you find their template, and a ton of their templates are paywalled behind their uh you know their canva plus or premium whatever it's called exactly they're selling because
0: when you're in that place, if you've got an editor or something with a lot of flexibility, it feels more tangible it's easier to. Um, hold on to to justify the expense of to 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 anchor the value to something that feels like I'm buying an asset when still you're like it's still software and so yeah Canva does the same thing where they're template driven um, and uh, ClickUp that's what I was trying to find there ClickUp templates to see what 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 are their examples yeah they've got thousands of template libraries right now for for ClickUp all and so this this is what I was kind of getting at so they've got like apparel design management. And right now, if I was searching for like apparel design management, you know, process or flow, you would, there probably some organic traffic there going to like, oh, wow, ClickUp's got this apparel design manager. They've got a whole page and they say like, get the free solution because they're also a freemium solution there. And so they're, they're focused on templates to drive the adoption of the software. So just to recap, if you're feeling stalled out in terms of how to refresh the marketing of whatever it is you do, consider the potato. And, um, if you are in the software space, the two probably biggest refresh on the potato that I've seen are education first and assets first in terms of, uh, your positioning and what they're buying. And it also answers the question of like, why am I buying it? It feels like an after effect. It's like, I want the template therefore, for, so I'm just, I'm buying, I'm getting the template and the software is just a consequence of that.
1: Yeah, that's smart. And and I think, you know, a lot of times we forget that the end user is not as um, interested in everything else going on in the software, right? They're usually looking for one simple solution, right? They, oh, I wanted a template. I wanted a nice looking website. I wanted uh, an, an easy way to capture and contact my contacts or whatever it was. And then we get into that you know, the curse of experience where we, well, yeah, but it also does. It also does. And it's like just adding confusion. It's like, you don't, just because you have the potato that can be all the other things, just sell them the one they want. You can tell, you can show them the other options later, right? Yeah, exactly. And
0: I think for folks that if you're in our space, you know, you're in, in, in the, um, you know, private label software space, ClickUp is actually probably a good model here because that's a robust software that does a million things. and you see their acquisition strategy is not try to do all the things to all people. It's actually gone hyper-focused on the thousand different use cases. So the person comes in and it's, it's, it's saying, like, this is for apparel design management. And they're not focusing on, like I know ClickUp has like a screen recording tool now. They just look like they have a loom alternative, right? That's like built in there. They have all these things, but they realize if someone needs apparel design management or like they're just making clothing, if they hit them with like, also there's a screen recording tool. They would feel like, wait a second, this isn't for me. Why do, why do I need to do screen? Like, I work on real clothes. Like, kitchen, it's like I'm in apparel, and so that hyper, uh, that focus to the use case is actually what drives
1: easier adoption. I love it. If you are a marketer, a business owner, and you have friends, first of all, good job. Second of all, share this with them so they can learn more about marketing.
0: Thanks for tuning in for this week's Marketing with Matt. Check out ProfitMoreWorkLess.com to learn how we create high margin marketing. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the podcast, feel free to make a recommendation. I'm sure they'll thank you for it. Okay, bye for now.